Well, our guest this week is best known for his appearances on the show Whose Line Is It Anyway? But if you're a fan of comedy at all, I'm sure you've seen him many other places as well. TV, video games, movies, podcasts. He's done a bit of it all. Uh, pretty soon, a book. After all, he is the smartest man in the world. Please welcome to the podcast, Mr. Greg Proops. Greg, thanks for spending some time with us. Hello, Adam. Hello, Ben. Hello, Philadelphia. <laughs> um, speaking of Philadelphia, so I know you're, you're out in California right now. And you're going to be coming out to Philly this coming weekend. Um, I hope you're prepared to dress warmly. Oh, my God. I'm not ready for it at all. (laughs) I'm so not ready for it. I'm scared to death. (laughs) I mean, we had – yesterday we got lucky. We had probably like a good 40, 45-degree day. And to us – put shorts on, yeah. yeah, I drove drove around with my windows down. Like that's how nice it seemed. Really? Yeah. Yeah. But it's not supposed to be cold this week, huh? Uh, Well, I think we're supposed to go down into like – Negative, I think below zero overnight again tonight. Yeah, negative five. Uh, <laughs> I hate weather. I really do, you guys. I've been to Philly when it was rainy. Like, I was there last year in the rain, and, you know, and I've been there in the summer when it was boiling hot, and you just want to die. But, uh, yeah, I'm not ready for it. I was in um, Vancouver over the weekend, and I was standing outside, and it was too cold for me there, and it wasn't that cold. So, I'm really, I don't know what I'm going to do. I think just cry. <laughs> I would hate to break it to you, but I don't think it's getting above freezing, freezing while you're here. I know. I know. Sorry. I mean, I have, uh, you know, I have long underwear, and I will wear it on stage. person <laughs> I am. I've done it before, and I'll do it again. I have a parka. I have a beaver hat. I have all the gear. It's just, uh, oh, like. <laughs> well, you'll be nice. Well, I'll stay in my room a lot, I guess. Yeah, you'll be warm inside the hotel. You should be all right. Sure. Um, we had an opportunity uh, last year to speak to Colin Mockery, and earlier this year, we sp- a couple weeks ago, we spoke to Brad. Um, unlike those two, wh- when it comes to you, 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 those two do primarily improv comedy, which I know you do a lot heavily as well. But you also travel around doing stand-up at the same time, which I know those two don't do. Um, it, between the two of them, is there a type of comedy, whether it's improv or stand-up, that you prefer to do over the other one? Do you have a favorite? I like my podcast best of all. Um because I get to do whatever I want, and um, it's, I mean, I love stand-up. Um, I really do, because it, I, I think, I always thought stand-up was the most direct way of communicating, but I find that the podcast has been a way more personal experience for me and uh, your, your comedy people out there that like comedy, um, because it goes directly to them. People listen to it on their headphones or earbuds or in their car or on their bike or wherever they are, so it's, it's a real intimate experience, and when I do it live, I, I talk to everybody in the crowd before I do the show. I go out and meet everyone, which I would never do at a stand-up show because I think it erases the magic if you talk to them beforehand. Yeah. But in a podcast, yeah. it's a different matter entirely. And I was just on the road with uh, Ryan Stiles and Jeff Davis and Joel Murray. We're all in a group. And uh, we were just out on the weekend, and I absolutely had the most fun I've had in about 100 years. I mean, I, we've been working for 15 years together. Chip Aston was in our group, but he got on the show Nashville. So we put Joel in the group a couple of years ago. But okay. I really laughed my ass off. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 we were really funny, and we were just loose. And so, but I, I still say, even saying that, I would still say that I like um, that I like stand up. I mean, uh, uh, the podcast goodest of all. Okay. Yeah, and and like we said, you're going to be uh, for those listening in the Philadelphia area. You'll be at Helium Comedy Club on Thursday, the 26th of February through Saturday, uh, the 28th. Now, your first night at Helium, the 26th Thursday, is actually going to be a live taping of your podcast, right? The Smartest Man Absolutely. in the World. Absolutely. Your Proopcast, as you call it. If the plane gets in, yes. 
Um, so then, uh, and then, uh, so Thursday, or I mean Friday and Saturday, then will be uh, a stand-up. So those, I, I mean, essentially, you could go see, you know, someone could come out and see a Thursday, and then come out and see a Friday. It's two completely different experiences, then, right? Well, with the same person, yes. Two very. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the podcast I did, I drank, I talked. Like I say, I talked to everybody beforehand. Uh, it's not like I mean during the stand-up, but it's a different thing. You know, I'm going to get up there, I'm going to knock out my act, uh, probably riff on whatever's going on in Philly, and um, that'll be that. Then I'll go back to my room and hide. <laughs> hide away from the cold. Because it's so fucking cold, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I was going to ask you to tell us more about, you know, the, the Smartest Man in the World podcast, or Proopcast, which is what you call it. Uh, but, you know, you did see, you seem to do a good description of it already. Like, as you said, you, you'll sit on stage, you'll talk to the people. Do you ever call people from the audience up to join you as part of the podcast? Uh, I don't, but uh, I often uh, take questions from the audience at the end of the show, so occasionally we do that at the show. So I set up a mic in the house, and uh, people get to talk with me uh, or at me or ask a question of me um, during the show. So they're sort of my guests. There's no guests on the show. It's just me blathering or dissembling, if you will, or expounding. Is there is there any type of um, bit type to it? Like, do you have anything prepared, or is it all kind of off the cuff? Oh, yeah. No, I, I think of lots of stuff. I have pages and pages of notes. Uh, I don't write what I'm going to say. Let me put it that way. I have notes on different articles. My wife, Jennifer, and I confer quite a lot on what we're going to put in the show. And uh, so I read newspaper articles, things off the Internet, um, items, obituaries. Uh, I play records. I get up and dance. I act like an idiot. I talk about whatever's on my mind. I'll probably talk about all the other different times I've been to Philly. Um, at the show, because you know, Philly for me is an. Uh, I never, I never really played there till about three or four years ago, and up until then, I never really liked it. I always thought, having gone through the airport and everyone is in such a bad goddamn mood at the airport all the time, <laughs> like that, that Philly was some place with a bunch of assholes. Even though the comics I knew from Philly, like Paul Tompkins, were all as nice as could be. Um, yeah. So once I started playing there, I realized, oh, I get it. It's a, it's a thing. Well, and uh, so I really like Philly, and I, I enjoy playing there. I love the Italian food. Um, uh, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know, New York without the corporate bullshit. Well, I mean, in essence, you're still kind of right. I mean, being from Philly, we can honestly say that it, it, it is a city pretty much full of assholes, and it's just, you know, so you're not wrong. In a good way, though. Yeah. No, I mean, I did um, a pen a couple years ago, not a Penn State, a pen inside Philly. And they have a like a rags and bones thing they do, you know, like at their college. Uh, it's not called that, uh, like Harvard does, right? Because it's an old, old school, you know, seventeen hundreds, whatnot. And, right. uh, and they had a, they have a special comedy guest every year. So I went and I did the show with them, and I had to learn the sketches on the day. And then I I did stand up at the show, and it was all these guys, kids, all these different college kids in their groups and whatnot. Now they of course allow women to be in it. Um, and then I went over to some frat house afterward and got drunk with everybody. And, <laughs> and they said, nobody ever does that. And I'm like, why? This was the whole thing to me. I mean, I didn't, I could give a shit about the show as much as like, I, you know, and of course I hadn't been to a frat house in a hundred years. And then they started playing really awful music that I hated because I'm too old for it. And um, then it, uh, next thing I know, people were upside down drinking out of solo cups and shit. And that's when I left because I didn't want to be the chaperone at that point. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, I've been out of college for almost, um, 
well, actually for over 10 years now. I don't want to age myself. But I remember doing the same thing. We always invited the comics to come back to the frat house, and nobody ever did it. So just to hear the fact that you actually did it, I mean, that just, that's awesome. Oh, cause... no, I went, I smoked weed. I stayed for a couple of hours. I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't close the place because I didn't want to be embarrassed uh, that anyone would, like, ask me for a loan or something. Um, no, it was really fun. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but I thought all the people I, I get it with were such, uh, you know, uh, enthusiastic and intelligent and organized, you know. Yeah. I mean, I was, a, I was a teenage drama student, so I know the deal. I would have well, loved I mean... it if a, a comic had come and, you know, partied with us. Yeah. Philly would have had to I make thought it, it was up. part of the job, quite frankly. I was told, <laughs> like, no, they had some other comics a couple years ago. He was like a, a star off another show, and he didn't go, and he was very huffy, and he wanted his car right after, and I thought, ooh. I went and ate dinner with them before, and I went out with them after. Because I'm so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or I have no social life. <laughs> but that um, was a very nice night in Philly, because it, the weather was really nice, too, you know. I was going to say, I had to make a, a good impression on you because, I mean, we're looking at your schedule and we looked at it a little bit earlier. Um, you're out, like we said, you're out West Coast right now. You come to Philly for a few days and then you go back out West Coast um, and then take kind of a break. I guess uh, Whose Line's probably coming up, taping for uh, the next season of that, right? Well, Is that why you're taking a break in, in March? January and then uh, we tape again in um, somewhere in March. I'm also doing a show called The Infinite Monkey Cage up in San Francisco, a physicist named Brian Cox has a show um, that he does for the, I think it's BBC Radio, and they have all these physicist types on it, and it's supposed to be good fun, so I'm really looking forward to that, too. That ought to be weird. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, you've, getting back to your tour, you've you've toured, you know, all over the world, um, you know, Europe and everything like that. Is there any type of uh, issue, or how does the language barrier affect barrier affect your show when you're overseas like that no because everyone who comes can speak english i mean i think the biggest one uh obstacle last year probably was uh we played antwerp and it went very well but i think a lot of the people in antwerp didn't speak english um perfectly as a second language whereas when we played um finland and uh we and stockholm in sweden everyone uh, the swedes and the Finns should speak tremendous english I mean, when you do it in Paris or Amsterdam, there's loads of expats, you know. So there's tons of English people, Scottish people, or maybe a few Irish Canadians kicking around. And always some Americans. You know, there's 50,000 Americans in Paris, you know. So you're always going to get some people from home. Um, but I was, I was chuffed that um, last time we played Paris, uh, there was, I would say, half a dozen or more Parisians there. Wow. Who just spoke English really well, and they wanted to hear the comedy. But then there's a big English-speaking comedy scene in Paris. So, so no, not really. I don't. I, it's not. It's not like they sit there wondering what I'm talking about or anything like that. <laughs> I think that happens more at stand-up shows. Also, I make a slight effort. I mean, I'm not saying other comics don't, but uh, you know, they send comics around the world. Like when we were in uh, Norway or Sweden, rather, I remember there was a bunch of comics there from America on kind of a big corporate tour. Of, you know, it was English comics and American comics there. I can't remember who was there when we were there. James Donian, what's his name? Something when Stephen Merchant went up. Oh, okay, that's awesome. And and you know, uh, Americans can be a little parochial uh, and provincial, and they go places and they're like, "God, it's really weird here. <laughs> you eat different food and you talk different." It's like, and don't be an idiot. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I make an, I really make an effort to kind of know something about where I'm going, or, or at least have a day or two to study when I get there. At least go out to dinner and hang around and go to a bar and get drunk and meet some people. 
so that I'm not just blowing it out my ass when I get up on stage or talking about... To me, the biggest crime is to get on stage and talk about Hollywood. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because no one really gives a shit. Yeah. Um, Unless you're in Hollywood. Well, yeah, in Hollywood, of course. I do nothing but show business. And on the podcast, I can, and all that jazz. Well, I think I'm Philly and talk about Hollywood, unless it's going to be excoriating Hollywood. No one gives a crap about gossip and shit like that. And it, show business means so little to people outside of show business world. And I think a lot of comics get caught up in it when they're here. And right. they go on the road and, like, they want to talk about themselves and their auditions and their and Hollywood and show business. And you're, like, in another world, man. And they want to hear about America, you know. For better or worse, you're a representative uh, of where you're from. You know? Yeah. So I try to keep that in mind. I mean, I don't take it that seriously. I mean, you know, I'm not, I don't fucking study to see who every prime minister was. But <laughs> I, I make a point of knowing where I am uh, and not just... Uh, you know, I used to see, when I lived in London, I would see American comics get up uh, at English clubs. And there was always lots of American comics coming over. To, and there was the serious ones, like uh, Dave Fulton or Rich Hall or Arge Barker or whatnot, uh, Scott Capuro, who all have careers in England because they made a point of, you know, living there and learning about it. But then guys would come over and, like, they'd be a New York comic and they'd get up and they'd go, hey, in London, what the fuck? <laughs> and the English crowd would be like, fuck you. And that would be the end of that. Yeah. And there's nothing like an English crowd going frosty on you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You think a Philly crowd can be shitty. Like a London crowd <laughs> at midnight or one thirty in the morning when the fucking bar's still open and, and they're drunk on Friday, they will just shut down operation. And um, I saw it happen a few times. It happened to me a few times, you know. So you can't just kind of wander into a place and think that comedy is a universal language. And it's spoken in jokes. And that's what I, whenever anybody says to me, what advice would you give me if I was going to go play in England or whatever, I'd say, tell jokes one after the next. Yeah. Because the construction of jokes is universal. And people understand it. It's when you get up there and you go like, get a little too inside, I think is when it, inside your own ass. Yeah. You've got to come out and realize there's a world. Well, I mean, you, you seem definitely like there. there's a lot of knowledge in your head. You, you, I mean, you said you're world traveler. And as I mentioned in the introduction, you actually have a book coming out this May, uh, which is titled The Smartest Book in the World. And I, <laughs> I, I love the subtitle to this book, too. A Lexicon of Literacy, A Rancorous Reportage, A Concise Curriculum of Cool, um, w- which I think is awesome. Is, is this the first book that you've written or have you written one before this? I've never written a book. Isn't it shocking? I'm so lazy. I'm having to go over the book now for my last pass, and uh, I just want to get high, you know. I, <laughs> I, I'm thinking about a drinking of vodka and just like anything I could do. I've been putting it off for days and days. Um, uh, it's the first book I've written, and uh, I like it. I think it's funny. Um, I'm going on the road to promote the daylights out of it, and with any luck, I will be in Philadelphia on May 10th. Nice. But that's just pre- uh, penciled at this point. I will be in Moravia, PA. Pretty, I'm pretty sure I'll be in Moravia on the 9th. At, um, there's a bookstore out there that's a big, famous one. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I'm not familiar and with it. you couldn't get me one in Philly, and then I, then I want to come over into Helium and do a uh, 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 the podcast there. You should are do we, a. Are, uh, we doing, are we doing Collegeville? I can't remember. We might be doing Collegeville. 
You should you should do like a uh, one of those uh, you know those old tapes they had of, of voiceovers reading the books. You should do one of those for it too. I forget what I they am. I am going to be reading the book. Oh, perfect. I'm, re- I'm reading my own book. Yeah, they they asked me, and I was like, yes, I'd rather I read it. Yeah. <laughs> well, the only other consideration was Jeremy Irons. Yeah. What <laughs> <laughs> one of the places you could probably look into if you wanted to do something in Philly is um, the Free Public Library because I've been to a number of book like releases and signings there. Um, I mean, unless you're tra- unless you're obviously you're trying to make a little money on it, which it, you can still do there too. Like you can sell the book there and sell autographs and do Q and A and stuff and things like that. So I don't know if yeah, that's. I mean, I, I believe me, I bring these up to uh, w- w- it's a constant. Um, uh, Back and forth with the with the editor, the publishers, you know, and their people, yeah. um, of me saying where I want to play, and then saying where they can get to play, and then I just go ahead and book my own gigs out of it anyway. Because I, <laughs> I mean, I mean you know, you know how everything works. You guys do your own podcast. There, there's people can help you in certain regards, um, but really, the whole world is about do it yourself. Yeah, yeah, and that's the. Uh, the, the big message I always have for everybody on the show and uh, uh, that I talk about constantly, yeah, we're going to be in Collegeville on Monday, May 11th at the Town Book Center. Um, okay. But we may add another one in Moravia. Um, the message I always have for everybody on the show is, uh, you know, you've got to carpe diem. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Moravian bookstores outside of Philly. Sorry, I was reading an email <laughs> to see if I could find any more information about it, so I didn't just say it was a really big bookstore. <laughs> we will we will keep, I'm sure we'll keep uh, an eye on it. I wanted to do Foxes in Philadelphia, but it's very small. So, well, I mean, it's it, like you said, too, about, uh, you know, having to do things, you know, yourself and things like that and how we would know that by doing a podcast. You're absolutely right. Like, it's one of those things that obviously we knew we were going to have to reach out to people to get things started on our own. But we never took the whole attitude that, you know, eventually we'll get to a point where things will just be handed to us. We still work just as hard now, you know, to keep everything going oh, you ourselves. Stop. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in a tizzy because I'm like, what am I going to do for the next book? Because they haven't even said anything to me, you know. And then you're like, well, what do I do? So, uh, no, you have to constantly push forward. Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, people get people get confused. I don't think they get the wrong idea, but I think they get confused that things just happen. And things do, of course, just happen, but you've got to actively take a part in whatever it is you're trying to do. Uh, the, the only thing I object to, aside from ignorant, you know, pinheads running the world, is... Um, when people say they're going to do something and they don't, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm writing a book or I'm starting a podcast or I'm making a dress or I'm doing this or doing that. And they're not, they have no intention of fucking doing it. They're just talking about it. Yeah. And you hear that all the time, especially in comedy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, so I felt like, well, I told people I'm going to write a book. I wrote a book. Um, I said I was coming out with a new album. I have a new album coming out. I don't know when it's coming out, but it'll come out in probably April, somewhere, springish. Springish, summer? <laughs> and we recorded it in San Francisco, and I had to knuckle down and try to put some fucking material together like a human. And, uh, uh, you know, that's the deal. Right. It's only as good as the last thing you do, and you always have to uh, try to be funnier. Better, yeah. Faster, yeah, definitely. Smarter, gooder. Um, well, I mean, I, I would, I'm sure you, this gets brought up to you a lot, but I, I just got to mention, obviously, from the big fans that Ben and I both are, but uh, I don't know if many people know this, but you are actually, 
you were part of the Star Wars legacy uh, with the voice you did, uh, voices I should say you did in, in uh, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace and uh, Clone Wars. So, uh, how you know how did that news come about when you found out that you would actually be a part of Star Wars? You know, how did you get that part? And well, that was a long time ago. That was in the '90s in um, Edinburgh. Uh, whenever you're the movie, I think we shot it like '98. It was like '97. I was doing stand-up in Edinburgh, and so was Scott Capuro. He was doing a show after me at a venue called the Pleasance Over the Road, which was a ch- converted church that had a bar in it that you could smoke in, which I thought was a fucking very cool venue. And uh, One of the Star Wars people came to see me, uh, one of the casting people, because they needed American voices. And so they brought me and Scott in, and um, we did uh, American voices for this uh, pod race announcers. They didn't want English ones. And so I did Ron Fairley, um, who used to be a ball player, and uh, he also announced for the Mariners and the Giants. And ball, Ron Fairley got everything wrong, and that's what made me laugh about him. Uh, Mark Grant and Mark Davis pitched on our team, and one was left-handed, one was right-handed, and he couldn't total the part, which is fantastic for a baseball announcer because they're on the, you know, they're throwing from the opposite side. Is there any Mark Davis is out there and a little scratch that at you, Mark Grant? That's how you would announce, right? Like, and then the play would happen. And then he'd go back and announce the play because he wasn't fast enough to follow the action. So he'd be like, well, what happened just then when there was a ground ball? Like, it, really, you know? <laughs> and so I, I thought his t- the timbre of his voice was funny. So I did him. And then um, we made up a bunch of stuff in the rehearsal, which they always want us to say that we never made anything up that goes with all the lines. But we, we made up a few <laughs> And, uh, I mean, nothing too devastating. Stuff like, uh, I don't care where you're from. I don't care what galaxy you're from, that's got to hurt and all that shit. That's <laughs> us. And, um, and then they ended up making Scott uh, speak in Huttese. So uh, he speaks in Huttese in the movie because we went in and we dubbed it over, of course, after we shot it. When I got it, my English agent was like, I don't want you to do it. And I was like, are you kidding? And she went, I don't want the money. And I was like, this goes on top of my resume yeah, until yeah. the day I die. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because people from Norway write me every week. I have a... Uh, you know, I'm looking, I got a baseball card of Foden Bead here. You know, I mean, it's just it's just something you, you couldn't turn down. No. So I was really uh, glad to do it, even though I'm not a, Star Wars is not my main sci-fi thing. Uh, I, I like it because it's not something I watch over and over. And I have a polar fleece that says um, episode one, if you're a super geek. It doesn't say The Phantom Menace, in other words. <laughs> the movie was not called The Phantom Menace when we shot it. It was called episode one. And so Scott asked for some swag from the second AD, and he came back with two polar fleeces. So I still have it in my closet. So oh, there you go. Don't come and kill me for it. <laughs> so those, $500 or something. those aren't readily available. <laughs> well, it's like those sh- the, the T-shirts that are uh, Revenge of the Jedi. Yeah. There was a bunch of Revenge of the Jedi stuff that got put out that didn't, not to the public, but that people had. And I have an episode one. So I was also in The Nightmare Before Christmas, and it was the 20th anniversary of that, like two years ago. Two years really? or yeah, last year. 20 years remember. already? Wow. And then, yeah, Star Wars were on to... We did the DVD a few years ago. I've done a bunch of video games for them, too. George Lucas was the nicest person I've ever met on a set. I mean, he couldn't have been more low-key. He was acting like he was conducting a tea party, you know. <laughs> he was like, uh, there you go. I don't know what's good. Do you want Again. <laughs> and I, I'm in a I have a giant head on right like an alien head yeah. and I go okay George so that was fun <laughs> uh, we couldn't eat or nothing because um, the heads were big you know we had we were in makeup for like four or five hours and then 
uh, you, they're not in the movie. Like, uh, you can go online and see our heads. If you're a really deep fan and you give a shit about this, you can go on, um, uh, on you know, Google Foden Beat and you'll see pictures of me and Scott in our actual prosthetic heads that they made us. I'm green and he's red. Also, I did um, uh, Matt Gourley, who's on um, the wonderful podcast Super Ego. Uh, Matt Gourley does a show called I Was There Too. And um, it, it's from the point of view of people on the periphery of these giant things. And so he interviewed me about being in the Star Wars legacy, as you call it, um, because I'm not in the center of it, but I was in it. Mm -hmm. And I did meet George Lucas, and uh, we met I, we met Ewan McGregor even, I think. Uh, he was shooting that day with Frank Oz over on another part of Leavesden. We shot at Leavesden outside of London. So uh, that was fun. And then I'll tell you the best part of the story. I've told it on that show, but it's worth telling again on your show because it's a good story. Um, Mike, the guy they sent to come and get me in the car, um, was a really handsome older fellow who looked like Charlie Watts from the Rolling Stones, right? Okay. He had silver hair and like a you know a tweed jacket and a polo neck, right? And he, it was a Jaguar, a really fancy Jaguar. <laughs> so they came and got me in this Jaguar, and we started chatting, of course, because it's a long ride out to Leeson. And I says, uh, you know, how's it going? And he goes, one, I'm really glad I'm not on Eyes Wide Shut. They were shooting Eyes Wide Shut at the time. He goes. I have friends who've been working on that picture for two fucking years, right? <laughs> Kubrick just never stopped shooting it, right? Right. And then he goes, uh, I drove Harrison Ford on Raiders of the Lost Ark 3. And I said, what was that like? And he said, Harrison smoked a joint on the way to the set every day. <laughs> uh, first call, you guys, first call. We're talking six in the morning, right? So he, he would fetch Harrison from the Savoy Hotel on the Strand in London and drive him out to the set. And he said, one day Harrison Ford gets in the car with a saucepan. And he goes, Harrison, what are you doing? And he says, I, I ran out of rolling papers. <laughs> and my room has a kitchenette, so I've heated up the dope in the saucepan, you see. And he opens up the saucepan lid, and dope smoke fills up the Jaguar. <laughs> and he said he pulled up and he had to roll all the windows down. And that Harrison Ford was sticking his head in the saucepan, snorting, snorting weed. <laughs> on the way to the set of oh. that is awesome yeah, so that, that one I thought was a pretty green <laughs> yeah. story here and then uh, we shot it we got the uh, polar fleeces we came back to I was living in Hampstead at the time in London and my wife and we ordered Chinese food and uh, we drank a bottle of wine and we high five because we were in Star Wars which we were calling Star Wars at the time <laughs> That's cool, though. That's uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's just to be a part of that. Was, that's, that's pretty cool. Oh, my God. You're kidding. I mean, you know, like, it, it's a, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I mean, people, you know, some of the people who like it are, are not people I would touch on a general basis, but uh, <laughs> they're often sticky. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, is, it is an amazing thing to be a part of. And Nightmare, too, because Nightmare was such a, a coincidence, and I really didn't think that um, anyone would give a shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I right. thought it was just another... I mean, I thought it was cool. Don't get me wrong. I thought it looked cool and everything. But I didn't think at the time, like, that it would be part of... Like, you know, if you go to Disneyland, the Haunted Mansion is basically like the Nightmare. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it really turned it into this giant thing. And so I'm very, very happy that I was in that. Yeah. That, yeah, that's pretty great. I mean, yeah, and that's become like a... Like, almost like a, a classic as well now, too. Well, it was fucking a yearly, you know, one of those annual Christmas things. And who would have fucking thunk it, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you go to an audition, you just try to do something. And that one was fun, though, because they gave us the um, opening song, uh, the, the, the This Is Halloween song that Danny Elfman wrote. 
And they gave us it. This is how long ago it was, you guys. You guys are going to think I'm 100. They gave it to us on a cassette. <laughs> well. And uh, <laughs> I went at home and I learned it on my cassette recorder. And then I came back. And I was first because I had to go to L.A. for something. And they had the audition in San Francisco for no reason. And I, was the, I said, can I go first because i got to get a plane. So they put me up at like 10 in the morning. And, but I'd memorized the fucking song and I sang it as a bunch of different monsters and I got it. So. Nice. Yeah. And I was Bob the Builder too, but you guys, you have a two year old, is it? Uh, I don't have any kids. He's two months old. Two months, oh well, they're not old enough for Bob the Builder. <laughs> but in, in two years' time, they will be. So. Um, well, I know I don't want to. We don't want to keep you uh, that much longer because I know you've you've already given us given us plenty of time, you know, to talk to you tonight. Um, oh, you know, I'm enjoying myself. You guys are nice. Thank you. Uh, we're, are you stand up comics? Um, we're not stand up comics. I, no. I, I, I've attempted it. Um, I have a friend who does stand up on a regular basis. He's been doing it. I've been following him, and I've known him probably for. Since I was a freshman in college in 98, so probably going on like 17 years now. And I've actually opened for him twice. Because uh, there was a point in time when I did want to give it a shot, and he gave me he gave me an opportunity. And I didn't bomb, but I, I really only did maybe like f- like four or five minutes, which to me felt like an eternity having never done it before. Right. Um, but I'm just a huge stand-up fan. Like, I love... Well, nice. Stand up comedy. Uh, I love reading. I can't wait to read your book when it comes out in May. Um, you know, you'll see me in line at, at your book signing. You know, whether it's in Collegeville or you get one in Philly, I'll be there because you know. Um, well, thank you. Uh, you know, I love reading it. I'm 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 really hoping to go to both your podcast taping this weekend at Helium and one of your shows. So well, they will be different. I won't do the same material. So if, for the people, when does this show drop, fellas? Uh, it, it, this will actually be up. Be up yeah, this will oh, be up great, by tomorrow great. morning. Yeah, so well, if you uh, put put me in a tweet and I'll retweet it. Awesome. Yeah, and, uh, and like that, and then uh, yeah, because you know, uh, your casual comedy fan doesn't necessarily know what a, the difference between a podcast and a, a stand-up show. Mm-hmm. I say your casual comedy fan. You're obviously your experienced comedy fan does, um, but some people come to a show and they're like. You know, you see notes on the internet. I don't know why he sat down the whole time at a table. <laughs> in in front know? of a microphone. Like, yeah, I don't they know. didn't get it at all, you know. Or, or, well, he just talked about politics and shit. I thought it was going to be, you know, and you think, okay, fuck you. You know, don't even, don't even come. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But most people that come are really, really, really involved in it. And um, uh, it's a real exchange. Uh, people give me presents. We talk. You know, it's it's a... I think you'll like it. I think it's a real event. Well, I'll be sure to introduce it's a myself. Baby. Yeah, I'll be sure to introduce myself to you if I ever, you know, if I get the chance. Please do, young Dan. And uh, when we talk to you, um, I, just to wrap up everything too before we let you go, um, we're going to be recapping the Oscars once we're done talking to you uh, as part of this podcast as well. I don't know mm-hmm. if you had an opportunity to watch them at all. I did uh, yeah. this weekend. Did you have a favorite movie uh, out of the eight? That you ch- that you would have preferred to win if it wasn't Birdman because Birdman did win Best Picture. No, I didn't really give a shit. I, I really <laughs> loved um, uh, uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. I thought it was charming. Mm-hmm. Um, it took out a thought, lot of. A lot I of thought awards. the obvious uh, uh, Best Picture would have been Selma, and the, and the fact that it didn't it got scooched over, that the lead actor got scooched over, that the director got scooched over, just really says everything about how Hollywood works. And um, yeah. The innate face of sexism and racism that just carries on. I thought that the show was a terrible show. It looked like it was put on in the eighth grade. I thought the writing for Neil Patrick was abysmal. None of the jokes landed. But I thought a lot of the stuff that the people said that got up 
uh, Patricia Arcat, uh, Mr. Moore, who wrote the screenplay um, to I just forgot imitation the name. game to the imitation game. Yeah, the imitation yeah. game. I was going to call yeah, it the imitation cool. game. <laughs> uh, um, uh, what what John Legend said. Uh, you know, there were so many issues got covered: ALS and yeah. Alzheimer's, racism, and suicide, uh, and yeah. sexism, suicide. Uh, um, being J.K. Simmons with uh, t- call your parents, call your mom, right? F- filial devotion. Um, being gay, and I think that's the best thing that can come out of these kind of shows. Like, yeah. I don't know if you watch the Golden Globes, but the Golden Globes was a, a fucking hootenanny of agendas. And I think that's the best thing about it. It's very important that people who live in what they like to think of as real America see that um, gay people are married and are productive members of society, that women have a voice, you know, those kind of things. Because all the other things are true, too. Stars are shallow as fuck, and, you know, really it is about the shoes. <laughs> and the clothes, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. uh, you know, Hollywood celebrating itself is, is so annoying. They they all say things like, it's Hollywood, it's night. And you're like, no, it's not. It's a frat party for a bunch of fucking insiders who are the, you know, most popular kids at school. Yeah. And that's why they make the people who make the foreign documentaries sit in the fucking rafters. Yeah, yeah, uh, in the balcony. And, you know, also, the, the, my other biggest complaint about last night, other than the jokes were terrible, was that Harry Belafonte was given the Gene Herschel Humanitarian Award, which they used to do on the air. Yeah. And I don't know why they quit doing it, but he, he, got, he was on a little taped, crappy package. And if there's one person that America needs to see this year, uh, in a year when um, Eric Garner, Ferguson, uh, when, when the issue of civil rights is at the very forefront of everybody's mind, and uh, police brutality, all the things, is Harry Belafonte. He he marched with Dr. King. He was at all these things with Martin Luther. You know what I mean? Like yeah. to give him a crappy taped package really yeah, fucked exactly. me off. And then you know, I'll go even yeah. further. Joan Rivers and Robin Williams. I knew them. I'm not. I wasn't best buddies with them, but I did work with them. Robin, I knew for 20 years from San Francisco, maybe more. Joan, I I, I did the red carpet with her um, in '96 and '97, and Melissa. And I did all the shows with her. And she was a, a rare individual and an exceedingly sensitive, intelligent, a giving, wonderful person. And for them to fucking not show her picture. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree she with you. She invented the red carpet, man. Yeah, I agree with you on that completely. Like, I, um, one of our other hosts uh, who, who's not with us this in, not with us this evening, he had something to come up. Um, he had mentioned it, too, that he, would, he had brought up that Joan Rivers was snubbed from uh, oh. the Immemorium. And it, it, it's one of those things that even if just for the red carpet alone, she yeah. deserved to be part of right. that. I mean, she wrote a movie and she directed a movie and she was in several movies and she did voiceover in a few movies. So that's not a movie career per se. Um, the fact that she, okay, let me put it this way. When I was a kid, there was no four hours lead up to the Oscars. The Oscars started and then it was over. Yeah. And I'm talking about into the 70s and 80s, man. When she got a hold of it, it became an all-day affair. Right. And they need to get down on their fucking knees and thank her for making it that sexy and that glamorous. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, what, she, she was the red carpet for the Oh, Oscars. my God. She invented Who Are You Wearing? I yeah. I mean, like, yeah, there's just no... Isn't there the reason why we have fucking Khloe Kardashian trotting around out there and Juliana and the Manny Cam and all that crap? It's because of Joan. Yeah. And for them to not acknowledge that was just... just well, not only that, but they I know they had mentioned, too, that on the red carpet, they were trying to get away from the whole who are you wearing this year right. uh, in the pre-show, which I think is another disrespect towards Joan. Yeah. I mean, 
Well, I mean, the, the, the tack on it was, what was it, there's other things matter and all that, and I forget who started at Reese Witherspoon or whatever. You know, ask me about my life, my children, my wife yeah. and I. I understand that. However, we're, we're at an event where you're, you've dieted furiously, you've been spray tanned, you've had your eyes glued on, and <laughs> you're wearing a gown. Yes. Let's talk about that for a second, yeah. shall we? Yeah. I mean, I get their point. Their point is men never get asked uh, about their looks and what they're wearing. It's not an issue for men. Men can look like Jack Nicholson and still get front room pussy. Um, <laughs> but if a woman looks like Jack Nicholson, everyone goes, oh, she's old and fat. Yeah. So, I mean, I get that. But I, I agree with you, I think. Uh, and then, you know, nothing about Taylor Negron, nothing about Jan Hooks. Jan Hooks, Come yeah. On, man. Jan Hooks and Taylor Negron had two key scenes and two key movies that are two of the funniest goddamn scenes in movie history, and so fuck you. And uh, Robin Williams, Oscar winner, hosted the show a bunch of times. Really? You gave him a drawing? Yeah, and you know what? It's I I, I didn't men- I didn't mention this because we were live tweeting during the Oscars um, last night, and I didn't mention that either. But uh, like I know during the Emmys, right after he had passed away, you have to understand. Adam knows this, and you knowing Robin for as long as you have, uh, Robin was my comedy idol. Like I looked, mm-hmm. I don't have heroes. I don't look up to people. I looked up to Robin. Like that's. I was devastated when I found out everything that happened. So to go through the in memoriam last night and see that he was just a still in the middle of everything. Yeah, yeah not even at the end or anything like that. I mean, for me, I would have given him a, a clip reel. Yeah. yeah. I would have let you see him in all of his nudes. Good Morning Vietnam, Goodwill Hunting, uh, 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 Dead Poets Society. You know, all the, even the one that Bobcat made with him a couple years ago where he's the best father. Oh, the world's greatest dad, yeah. The world's greatest dad. Like, you know, he could play serious and he could play comedy. Yeah. I mean, and. I mean, he was a, he, the thing is, he was a lovely guy. More right. than anything else. Um, the amazing amount of things he did for people that we know, uh, giving them money, giving them support. He was just a fucking, the, he was a mensch. Man. He was a real mensch, and like I, I just didn't dig it that they, like you said, you get one crappy still drawing of yourself in the middle of a montage of fucking bullshit. Man, and that's man. all you've got for Robin fucking Williams, man. Like, you know, wow. This uh, yeah, is so ratty that way, though. It's just a yeah. rat hole. I mean, you only get <laughs> one shot to do something. You know, as, as the Oscars ceremony, you only get one time that you can actually do something like that, and to to fall short like that is it's a shame. Well, and, you know, if you want to get even more blamey, um, why didn't the E! Channel run a tribute to Joan Rivers for an hour before the show? Or yeah. after the show? Or on That's the night or whatever? Just go, like, we're going to just show an hour of her being fucking hilarious. Yeah, because I would have watched that over the red carpet stuff oh, that yeah. was that was out yeah, of there. Of course you would. I, when I worked with her, she was on TV Guide Channel. And then uh, that was the... she The TV Guide Channel gave her a deal for, like, two or three years. And then... Then she went back to E and made it even bigger. And then she won the Celebrity Apprentice. Like, all this was in the late 70s, man. She's one of the most impressive people I've ever met in my life. Yeah. yeah. And every once in a while, I'd email her and say, stop selling your crappy books or something. (laughs) (laughs) And she would always yell back, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) So she was hilarious, you know. I don't think any comic that ever met her or dealt with her wouldn't tell you that she was the real deal from Louis C.K. to Kim, Jen Kirkman to Sarah Silverman to whoever you can think of, Kathy Griffin. Like she was, him and her, Robin and her are irreplaceable because they're not dickwads. Yeah, right. There's plenty of comics we can do without, and they weren't. They actually, and you know, I'm an improviser. Robin, 
Robert can improvise like nobody's fucking business. Well, I mean, he did an episode of Who's Line with you guys, too. He did. I wasn't on that one, sadly, but I have done improv with him, and, uh, you know, it, you, you can't even begin to describe the... More than that, um, he lit up a room. Yeah, that's what, we we had brought that up. We had actually when we spoke to Colin last year, it was shortly after Robin had passed away. So we had brought it up to Colin, um, and he had mentioned the same thing. He said that he had come down. Uh, he was shooting some movie, and he came one down hour for the. Photo, I think that's right. Yeah, he was shooting one hour photo, and he came out for the day. And when his time was over and done, and he was able to leave if he really wanted to, he didn't. He stayed. He you know he he talked to the audience. He fooled around with the audience, and he just loved being there. So, I mean, like, I can only imagine. It's it's one thing that, like, I, I've had an opportunity. I am I'm feel lucky that I had an opportunity to see him perform stand-up twice. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I would have had an opportunity to meet him. Yeah. Um, you know, even just to shake his hand and thank him for, again, for, like, being, like I said, being one of my heroes. And it's just. Well, at least you got to see him do stand-up because you got to see what I'm talking about that, like, yeah. in a bottle. Because when he played, uh, I, I, I've asked comics all over the world um, who was as exciting as him on stage. And really, it's like Pryor, Billy Connolly, not that many, you know, that that made the audience go fucking crazy, you know, just crazy. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know on a side note, it's speaking of the comedy and everything, too, and not to go on off another tangent, but I just had an opportunity last week. Last week or two weeks ago, I saw another friend of yours perform, who is another one of my comedy idols. I got to see Craig um, perform. He performed at the Merriam here in Philly. Yeah. Oh, what a nice guy. And let me tell you, I was wiping tears from my eyes from laughing so hard um, at his show. It's just, he was was hysterical. He's a great guy and uh, a real true gentleman. No one who ever had a TV show in L.A. treated me with more respect than Craig Ferguson. Yeah, because you've I'm done... That's from the heart. I mean, I knew him for... I probably met him in 92, 93. And he moved to L.A. And then when he got the talk show, he put me on all the fucking time. I did it this year. Last year. Yeah. Yeah, I think in June, right? Yeah, I did it last year. And, like, he, I didn't have to do stand-up anymore. He didn't make me do stand-up. I just paneled. And, like, who, you know, that was his doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's he... That's not the network. That's not CBS going, we love Greg Proops. <laughs> Greg Ferguson making that happen. So, just so your listeners know... There are people out there who are beautiful. Yeah. Uh, well, we don't want to take up any more of your time. We definitely right, appreciate Colin. you um, doing this. So um, just to let people know just so that they can you know, check you out and everything, uh, your website is gregproops.com. That's You're, right. And, you, and the link to the Helium site is on there. You can also go to the Helium site if you want to pick up tickets. Also on my Twitter, I, I ceaselessly plug myself. <laughs> That's at Greg Proops. Uh, come and see me Thursday at the podcast if you can't. Come and see me on the weekend. Um, and if you're not in the Philly, we go outside and smoke a joint. But I don't know about that. This weekend, <laughs> it is cold out there. Yeah, and if you're if you're not in the Philly area and you're listening to the podcast, uh, go on Greg's website and just find out when he's going to be coming anywhere close to you, and, and definitely go and check him out. So, oh sure, I'll be in New and York in to the May, I think. Yeah, and subscribe to his podcast. Smartest so. man in the world. Man in the world. It's just me spieling. Well, sometimes well, I actually, uh, I got a chance to listen to the. Mo- I think the one you did in Washington a little bit earlier today. I listened to part of it. Uh, it's actually really, it's really entertaining. You can tell it's not just like a bit, like you, you were talking about earlier. It's, it's just you having a good time interacting with the audience. Like it, it almost has. I mean, it's not improv, but it has. You, you know, you can tell you do improv because, you, you know, you're you're off the cuff and you, yeah, you can think on your feet. 
that's what I try to do. I try to challenge myself a little bit to uh, do it all off the cuff. And, uh, you know, not the, the, the trick is not repeating myself because now it's been three years and 200 and something shows. So. I've already run out of stories, so I'm just going to tell other people's stories from now on. I'm just going to read that's from the Bible. That's just tell a Harrison Ford story. I I could hear that a thousand times. Oh, that's a good you know. Well, I've told it on two shows now. I've got to save that one. There you go. Save it for a special occasion. It would have been a better one if I'd smoked it with him, but still it's funny. It's still Yeah. I just can't imagine Harrison Ford smoking out of a saucepan. It's Isn't just it great. It's it great. Love him. That's so good. Uh, well, definitely. This was this is a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us tonight. All right, thanks, Ben. Thanks, Adam. So, uh, we'll see you on the weekend, Jen. Yeah, tweet me. Oh, definitely will. Okay. All right.